December 21st, 2008 was an amazing day. It was a wonderful day. It was a Sunday. We had a worship service that was encouraging and spirit-filled and wonderful worship. And then we had some people over to our house for lunch. We had a great time. It was a lot of fun. Cindy was about nine months pregnant. That will matter in just a moment. At the end of our lunchtime, Cindy started to feel a little squeamish. Uh, Our friends recognized that and they left. It was 3.15 when they left. And Asher John was born at 4.30. We made it to the hospital, but barely. It was an amazing day, a really encouraging day. And so we, that, he's our, our seventh child. We had two boys, four girls, and Asher. Uh, and uh, just, it was, it was a life-giving, life-filled day. And then I got a phone call. And the phone call was that Bill Sims had passed away. Bill Sims had been a lifelong atheist, didn't uh, have any interest in church things, was not interested in God, until about a month earlier. Bill had spent his entire life in the financial world with taxes and investments. That's how he thought. It's how he made sense of the world. He had, just a few months prior to that, been diagnosed with cancer, and a month before he passed, I met with Bill again. And as we began to talk, we looked at it as a ledger, and we looked at the debit side, and that that account could not be reconciled. No matter what he did, he couldn't reconcile it. He couldn't give, he just didn't have available the funds that were needed to balance his account. And the more we looked at scripture and the more that illustration kind of hung in the air, the more he realized, I actually do need Jesus. I've been running away from him my whole life and I should be running to him. And here is one more opportunity and perhaps my last. He received Jesus And on December 21st, 2008, he graduated into eternity. Though a young Christian, God received him. I believe that with all of my heart. It was a life-filled day. But it took that kind of conversation for him to understand and to receive it. We're going to have a similar conversation today. As we look in Romans chapter 5, if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to go ahead and turn there to Romans chapter 5. If you have your Bibles, uh, I'd encourage you to get your pen and highlighter ready. If you don't have a Bible and you want one, we do have some in the back, just right against the back wall there's some. You're welcome to grab one, or if you're just really comfy where you're at and you want to raise your hand, maybe an usher will will bring you one. Right, ushers? Right on. All right, good. Um, With that in mind, we'll be in uh, Romans chapter 5, and I'd just like to take a moment and pray before we jump in together. Jesus, we love you, and we thank you. We praise you, O Lord, and we ask that you would be exalted and lifted up. We ask, O Lord, that you would give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand, and that even today, as we respond in faith to you, that, uh, Lord, life would be seen, and life would be realized, life would be lived for your glory. 
We trust you for this. We love you in it, almighty God. And it's in Jesus Christ's precious and holy, holy, holy name we pray. Amen. Last week when we started the series, we said, uh, let's imagine time being represented with hills and valleys. And that the prophets stood on top of a hill and they saw the end very clearly. And as they saw the end, they wrote about it and they told us things to be expecting. And as we live in our current uh, times, I believe that we are standing on a hill. And on that hill, we can see the end. What we can't tell is how many hills and valleys are between here and then. Maybe hours, maybe days, maybe months, maybe years, maybe decades. We're not sure. We can't tell from this vantage point. But what we can tell is that there is an end. And I believe uniquely that the Spirit of God is stirring the hearts of his people. I would say that you're here today because the Lord invited you and you responded in faith. And that I believe that there is a stirring going on amongst us. A hunger for God. A hunger for God in ways that I believe only he can fill. And I'm looking forward to seeing what that will mean as we jump in together. Recognizing that what God is offering is a gift. And it's a gift that we can choose to accept or reject. But it's a gift. Today, as we look at uh, Romans chapter 5, we're going to be looking at it from a few different vantage points. I want to recognize uh, the way that it's worded. Christ gifts the believer. What I didn't want to do is talk about the gift, because it's very easy for us to get so focused on the gift that we miss Christ. We don't want to miss Jesus. He is the whole point. We could look at things from the vantage point of a gift and, oh, this gift gives me this, and I like this for me from this gift. We're not compartmentalizing in that way. What we are doing is we're looking at Jesus. So we've worded this very specifically with that in mind. We want to see Jesus. Jesus, he gifts the only cure for sin. He gifts the only victory over condemnation. And he gifts the only way to eternal life. And we're going to flesh that out as we walk through it together in Romans chapter 5. Let's take a look at it. As we go through this passage, uh, we're, going to, we're, we're just going to walk through it kind of slow, so we understand it. Starts off, therefore, whenever you see that, you can underline it, highlight it, put arrows to it, little stars beside it. Whenever you see the word therefore, you always have to ask the question, why is it therefore? Good job, good job. Why is it therefore? Well, it's connecting what is about to be said with what was just said. What was just said is this, in the earlier part of chapter 5, is that we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. We rejoice in our sufferings. Not just that, but we rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. We were enemies with God, and now we have favor with God because of Christ's work. Therefore, let's jump in. Just as sin came into the world through one man... And death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. Obviously, we're talking about Adam. The Adam that is referred to in Genesis. The sin that is commented in Genesis chapter 3. This is is what is being commented here. That is identified in chapter 3 of Genesis. So that Adam, what do we see? 
Uh, Well, we see that uh, death came through sin. What is death? Well, death is certainly no longer breathing, but it's more than that, biblically speaking. It's a separation from God. Paul is going to talk about that in Romans chapter 6. We're going to get a better understanding of that in Romans chapter 8. But before we go there, let's, let's just consider this, that this death entered in through sin. I think that sin has damaged things in ways that we, we can't fully understand on this side of eternity. There is a shattering of the image of God that occurred in Genesis chapter 3 that we're not fully going to get until we graduate into eternity. I think once we get into eternity, we're going to go, what? Like, that's what it was supposed to look like? Yeah, we did miss it. If you want to think about uh, a, a circus you go to the circus and you might see those mirrors, you know, they're kind of wavy and you look in there and you're like, well, that's me, but I hope that's not me. It's worse than that. Sin affected us, it infected us in ways that are worse. It damaged the image of God in some horrible ways. And not just people, but all creation. All creation, the sin damaged. And so we have to keep that in mind. Though we're going to talk in a little bit in terms of credit and debits and and, and we're going to use some financial terms, it's important for us to grab a hold of this and recognize that, that this actually is a disease. Sin and death is a disease. And it has come across all people. All people have been infected by this disease. Not just that, but all people are also contagious because of this disease. Meaning that 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 contagion can cross over to other people. In other words, my sin uh, can affect you and infect you. Your sin can affect and infect me. And that's what we see in this first part. Let's go ahead and move to verse 13. For sin indeed was in the world before the law was given. But sin is not counted where there is no law. Okay, uh, this can be a little bit confusing at first blush. So let's, let's take a moment and look at it. For those of you who know what a checkbook is, this will be a little bit easier. So a checkbook, you'll have, okay, your account is there, and then what has been taken out of your account, and a balance, right? Let's pretend that in your bank account, you have withdrawn way more than you have in there. There's an overdraft here, okay? Now, I know some of you are starting to hyperventilate as I'm talking about that. This is made up. Just hang in there with me. But let me ask this question. The checkbook identifies each line every place that you spent. But if you did not have a checkbook, would you have still overspent? Yes, of course you would, right? The the checkbook didn't make it happen. So it is with the law. The law didn't make it so that we... uh, Uh, so that we sinned, the law identified sin. Sin already existed. It was given to us by Adam. Uh, We were infected by it. We live it out, unfortunately. But the law didn't make us sin. It just identifies sin. Let's keep going. Yet death reigned from Adam to Moses, even over those whose sinning was not like the transgression of Adam. Pause there for just a moment. So Adam uniquely, in terms of world history, had this uh, opportunity to stand before God. Uniquely created as the first of a kind, humankind, 
uh, is Adam in the likeness of God. Adam heard God's voice, saw God, walked with God. Adam uniquely had a relationship with God that was broken. It wasn't enough to be with God. He chose to be like God, and this relationship was broken. That's what is identified there. But then this next clause is very interesting. Get your pen and highlighter out for this. Who was a type of the one who was to come? Underline the word type. It's an important word. Type. We see it throughout scriptures. In fact, we can see that, that in many ways, every person is a type, but there are major types throughout Scripture. Adam is a type. In terms of church history, we would say that all of creation points us to God, and therefore, everything within creation is a type. This was a belief of St. Patrick, who went and evangelized Ireland. Uh, you might remember that in teaching about God, uh, he had the clover, right? And he would talk about Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one. It was a type. Types are throughout Scripture. Types are an imperfect example of a perfect picture. A type is an imperfect example of a perfect picture. It's important for us to know that all types break down. Throughout Scripture, we see how it points us to Christ, but it, it just comes short. It just comes short. Let's keep going. But the free gift is not like the trespass. Keep in mind, free gift. Again, if you have your Bible, underline it, highlight it. It's a free gift. It is not something that is earned. It is a gift. Much more have the grace of God and the free gift by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. Whoops. Let's take a look at these. Let's just kind of some bigger ideas in this section. One, sin is a sickness that has caused the real pandemic. Now, I'm not trying to... um, Uh, make COVID not a big deal. It was a big deal. Uh, It was a very big deal. At the same time, sin and death is a bigger deal. Like, it has infected everybody. Some of you have not got COVID yet. All of us have sinned. All of us have to deal with consequences of sin. All of us. It's a big deal. Sin is a sickness, and it's spread. Part of the reason that I'm saying that, and that it's important for us to to uh, put it in that context is this. It would be very easy for us to look at this as a ledger and go, okay, yeah, as Kenny said, uh, I had a debt I couldn't pay. Christ paid for it. Great, I'm good to go. Uh, I'll put my Bible away. I don't need to think about it anymore. Occasionally, if I think about God, maybe I'll pray to him, but uh, because the debt's paid, it's good enough. Well, that's not what is being implied here. There is a sickness that we all have and we have to be proactive in addressing it. In addressing the sickness, we are applying Christ to our lives. That Galatians 2.20 is true. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, yet not I, but Christ lives in me. We're applying Jesus into our life. We're applying the gospel into our life. Sickness has affected all of us. Also, Jesus offers a free gift that is for many. In fact, Uh, John chapter 1 tells us that it's for all who receive him. 
For anyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. We're, we're reminded throughout scriptures in John chapter 1 and in Romans all, all over the place. We're seeing this, that there is a gift that is given to us. If we receive Christ as our Savior, that, that gift uh, applies immediately. And it's free. Why does that matter? Well, it matters because at least in the first century, there were some questions about, well, I am from this line. I am uh, Jewish. I am from Israel. I, I, I'm, I'm kind of in. No, your lineage doesn't do it. There's this idea sometimes from, uh, from people out here, well, okay, I give at church. Oh, that's great, but we don't buy our salvation. It doesn't work that way. Uh, how about being baptized? Yeah, I was baptized in church when I was a little kid. Yeah, okay, well, baptism isn't what makes us saved. It's trust, it's faith in Christ, and specifically receiving the gift. Uh, one of the things that, that we'll talk about in memorial services or funeral services is this issue of a gift, that it's, it's our gift when we receive it. It's our gift when we receive it. There was a study done years ago, sadly, <laughs> you'll see why it's sad in a moment, uh, that looked over the course of 200 years of world history. And they went through, and what they realized is this, everyone dies. Yep, that's what they figured out in this study. Everyone dies. It's one-to-one -one ratio. Everyone dies. Um, so that means that all of us are going to face a God. And when we face that God, is that God going to be our judge or is that God going to be our savior? Well, that depends on if you've received the gift. It's free. It's not based on your lineage. It's not based on how much you gave at church. It's not based on your baptism. Uh, it's, it's based on receiving this gift. And it's free. More on that in a moment. Let's look at the second point. Christ gifts the only victory over condemnation. Condem condemnation is a sentencing. It's kind of a, a, a legal word in ancient Greek. And it means that there's a sentencing. So there were some actions that required a judge, and the judge gave a sentence. And the consequence was condemnation. They were condemned. They were put in prison. They were sentenced to death. There was a condemning. That's the word that's used. You'll see it as we read through, in, starting in verse 16. And the free gift is not like the result of that one man's sin, Adam. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification. Okay, so here we have condemnation is the sentencing, but justification is a declaration of righteousness. You are declared right before this court system. If you want an easy way to remember this phrase, justification, you can just think in your mind, just as if I had never sinned. Just as if I had never sinned. In other words, I am made right in front of God. God has declared, you are righteous. Verse 17. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man. Pause there. So, Something happened with Adam. Sin. Death entered into the world. All of us were infected and have been infected. 
there are consequences to that shattered image of God. So let me explain something. There's a time in church history called the monastic movement. The monastic movement happened based on this, and I'm simplifying it a little bit, but this was the heart behind it. Living in the city, there is a lot of sin. There is a lot of greed. There is a lot of junk. And we don't want to live in the city because I can't follow Jesus the way that I want to follow Jesus in the city. So what they did is they moved out into the desert areas. The desert areas, uh, they, they would find caves to live in or, or uh, small shelters to live in. They called those places cells. That's just the name that they had for them, C-E-L-L-S, cells. That's where they lived. And what they thought was, this place that I live is causing me to sin. I can't follow God because of this place. So if I go somewhere that I'm not infected by all of those people, following Jesus should be easier. Makes sense. But what they found is this, that they had one thing on their diet, porridge. And they became gluttons. They were gluttony? With porridge? Yep. Uh, they didn't have anything in their cells. Uh, but what they found is they were greedy for things. What? They were out of the city. There weren't any, there, there were no, nobody of the opposite sex was present, and yet they lusted. And so they realized very quickly that actually taking me out of the city doesn't take the city out of me. There is something in me that, that is problematic. Yeah, it's called sin. And we've been infected by that sin. And the consequence of that sin is death. And you can leave the city. You can leave the situation. But that's still inside. And that's what we see uh, in this passage. For the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, a sentencing. But the free gift following many trespasses brought justification, declared righteous. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Okay, so there, there are a few things here that, uh, that, that, that we can miss. I don't want to miss them. One of those is this term righteous or righteousness. It was a way kind of, of, of worshiping. It was like, what was your righteousness? Well, one way it was identified was giving your alms, or giving benevolence would be a way maybe we would even say it today. So in the first century, there would be a lot of have-nots, people who didn't have, they didn't have food or the ability to have food because they didn't own any land, and they didn't live with anybody for whatever reason. They were outside of their uh, their family's property, so they couldn't grow anything. And they didn't have any animals, and they had very little in terms of clothing, and sometimes no clothing. What I'm saying is that life was going to be shortened because they didn't have the essentials of life. So there were a group of people who they could give, and they would give, and this was referred to as their righteousness. They would give, and that giving would be applied to those who didn't have. What does that mean? It means there are a group of people who would have died except for someone else's sacrificial giving that then they were able to live. That sacrificial giving, that's what Jesus did on the cross. That's the righteousness that is offered. He is giving us something that we didn't have on our own that was certainly going to be death if we didn't receive it, but Jesus gave it. And for all who receive this gift, they have life. 
Let's keep going. Uh, we'll start in, we'll pick it back up in four, 17. For if because of one man's trespass, death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Again, recognizing that only comes through Jesus. Therefore, uh, why is it therefore? Because we were talking about Jesus and this gift of righteousness that is given to us that we can have life. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation, the sentencing for all men, so one act of righteousness leads to justification and life for all men, all men who receive him. This is not universalism. In other words, uh, it's not just a matter of Jesus did it, so everyone's covered, everyone's going to heaven, yippee, like that's wonderful, that's not what it's saying, but rather all who receive this gift, this free gift that is being offered. Let's break it down. I want to talk just real briefly about condemnation versus conviction. It's a confusing matter. So condemnation, as we already identified, condemnation is the sentencing, right? Something bad occurred, a judgment was given, there was a sentence. For some, that was prison. For others, uh, it was death. For us, we recognize that is ultimately death at separation from God because of action. What is conviction? Specifically, I'm talking about conviction of the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? That means that uh, there, there could be a sense of I have sinned and I need to repent of that sin. What's the difference? On one hand, there is judgment that occurs. I'm no good. I can't get it right. Oh, I... I have no hope. That's on condemnation side. On the other side, I've sinned against God. I'm repenting. Lord, forgive me. Repenting is heading in this direction, having a change of mind, recognizing that this is wrong. And I want to follow you, God. I'm heading in this direction. I'm heading, I'm chasing after God. Condemnation, conviction. We're going to see in chapter 8, there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus we're going to see that this condemnation is not for the follower of Christ. Conviction of sin, we hope so. Like when we mess up, uh, we should be able to go before the Lord and repent. And that's what we see. Christ gives justification. Again, we don't earn it. It's offered through Christ. There's a declaration because of Christ's work, his righteousness, that is given as a gift freely to anyone who would receive it. When we receive that gift, we are justified, just as if we hadn't sinned, declared righteous in the courtroom of God. And Jesus offers a free gift, and that gives victory. If you're walking around in this place of condemnation, know that Jesus has given victory over that. This place of condemnation is not the place for believers. If you're struggling with sin, there's a place for conviction and repentance. But condemnation, there's victory over that. And Jesus offers that because of his work on the cross. Let's keep going. Christ gifts the only way to eternal life. No other way. Verse 19. For as by the one man's disobedience the many were made sinners, so by the one man's obedience the many will be made righteous. Adam, we received uh, sin and death. Jesus, there is forgiveness and life 
for anybody who would receive him. Verse 20, now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So starting with Moses, this law was given. We were able to identify and really qualify what a sin is, what that looks like, where we're falling short of it. Uh, we could identify it. But in identifying it, what it did is revealed that we're falling woefully short of God. Even though our accounts are, we've overdrafted, uh, we've spent more than we have, and we, can, we can't ever possibly pay it back. Despite that fact, Christ's grace abounds all the more. Grace. It's getting something we didn't earn. Just like the, the picture I gave you earlier with those who, the have-nots, and they had to depend on those who would be willing to be righteous, giving in an abundance so that others could live. Just like that, uh, we receive that grace as well. Verse 21. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness, leading to eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. One man's disobedience made us sinners. That contagious sin infected all of us. Sin reigned in death. So maybe another way of looking at it is that, that sin ruled, and the consequence is death, separation from God. As long as, as long as we're sick with this, as long as we're willing to live in that sin, we're always going to have a separation from God. As long as we're willing to justify that sin in our lives, there's going to be separation from God. That's just the way it works. But grace reigns through righteousness. In other words, this rule comes to us because of God's gift, Jesus on the cross, because he died on the cross for our sins, for all who call on him uh, are saved. That gift is given. And grace reigns through righteousness. Righteousness leads to eternal life for everyone who receives it. But it has to be received. As I said earlier, uh, when is the gift yours? Well, when you receive it, right? When you receive it and apply it, right? Like, that gift can be in a box all year long, and as long as you don't unwrap it, as long as you don't receive it, you're never going to have the benefits of it because it's never really yours. It's in a box. might have your name on it, but if you've not picked it up, if you've not opened it up, if you've not gotten it out and and, and played with it, lived with it, put it on. Like, it, it's just in a box. Eternal life. Friends, have you received it? Well, let's make this really personal. Why not? It'll be fun. As the worship team comes out, uh, let's walk through a few questions together as we prepare our hearts for communion. Is there a sin or sins that Christ's gift needs to be applied. In other words, are we living in a place where we just keep going, I can't get over the sin. I keep finding myself uh, overindulging. I keep finding myself lying or, or telling small little lies. I, I find myself gossiping. I just can't get over these, whatever this is. Does Christ's gift need to be applied? If so, what is that that Christ's gift needs to be applied to? Second, are you struggling with condemnation? Why? That's not, a, it's not judgment. Like I'm not saying, why? What is the matter with you? 
I'm saying that we don't have to live there. If we're struggling with, I'm no good, I can never get victory over this, though there are elements of that statement that are true, the good news is Jesus did get victory over it. And because Jesus got victory over it, he, he's given us this legal uh, call that we are free, right? We are declared righteous. We are not condemned. How can Jesus have victory over that? Three, we've been looking for life somewhere else. Here's what I mean by that. Is there an area that you've said, you know what, if I just made more money, if this relationship were just better, if, uh, if I got this raise, if I had this title, if, are we looking, not that those things individually are, are bad, but when we're looking at that for life, like this is what gives me life, that is problematic. So have you been looking for life somewhere else? Aside from God, where and why? How does Jesus want to give you life? How does he want to replace whatever that thing is that we're looking for with himself? Those are things that we wrestle with, and we can wrestle with those before the Lord even here today as we prepare our hearts for communion. You'll notice that there are tables set up throughout the worship center. They're actually in different locations in the back. You'll notice that. Uh, today that they're in the back corners, but we do ask that you still go the same route. So come forward on the carpeted areas and go around. Even if it's closer, you know, to cheat the system, don't do that today. Uh, just come down the carpeted areas and then return, uh, return down the back aisles. That'll help the flow of things to go. But during this time, what we're doing is we're checking to say, okay, Lord, am I following you? And then secondly, is there any unconfessed sin that needs to be addressed? And then confessing it. We ask that as you go to the tables that you get both the cup and the bread, return to your seat, and we'll all participate together. As you're preparing your hearts for communion, would you join me as we pray? Lord, we do love you and we thank you. We ask, O oh Lord, that you would be exalted and lifted up. We thank you for the opportunity to come together and we thank you for your life that is given, a, a gift that has been extended to us. We love you, Lord, and we need you. We need to apply you to all areas of our life. That, Lord, you are the cure over sin. That you are the victory over condemnation. And you are the way to eternal life. We love you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.